What shall we look at today? Jan? John. Hi, let me take the ear, earbuds out. Hi. Uh, um, well, I wanted to start off because I was afraid, not afraid, but I had this sense that conditioning wouldn't let me talk about this or was going to have, there was going to be more resistance. And I'm not sure why, and it doesn't matter, but what I've been looking at is the last week's assignment or focus of, um, of patience and how it, uh, that just seems like um, one of the, the lack of that at, in many situations has been the impediment. I, I love the use of that word in one of the write-ups. The impediment to seeing, to uh, awakening, or whatever term we want to use uh, would be used, and uh, it just, it's almost like I don't want to leave that. It feels like that's one I need to stay with the focus of it uh, for some time now. Mm-hmm. Being patient with practicing with patience, huh? So, seeing how that lack of patience has shown up as an impediment to seeing, to awakening, and really uh, realizing how you want to stay with that focus. Yeah, and while I welcome the new focus, I'm looking at how to <laughs> how to bring in patience to focus on that along with it, um, which I, I sense is it, it'll be fine. But um, it's just so interesting to see what you know during the year-long retreat. Certain uh, focuses will come up uh, each week, and we'll go, "Oh, wow, this is." You know, this is this is a big one uh, in this life, and this one, more than many have or most, has really stood out. And I, and it was from experiencing moments of impatience all through the week uh, that I I realized because it didn't in note the times that I was noticing it, it could be something very small, you know, irritation. Well, Sherry brought up one like opening the sugar bag. It could be something like that. <laughs> Or out in life, uh, and someone cuts cuts us off on a bike ride in, on their, in their car, and and the and the response to that that is not helpful. It doesn't help the situation, uh, and just uh, where where the mind goes. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. It sounds like bringing a lot of awareness to this impatience process right these ways that impatience showed up through your week and truly just noticing right so it could be something small like the example of the bag of sugar it could be out in life and somebody cuts you off on your bike and and seeing how the reaction that comes up to that is not helpful yes and and <laughs> I'm glad you said the noticing again because the noticing has been key to all of it because in the end, as I sit with the, what has just happened in the case of being cut off, um, later that day as I sat with that, I began to see or it felt that that person's response, which was, was pretty out there, <laughs> I can say, um, was... Uh, I saw it as 
saw that person as a bodhisattva because if I hadn't said something, if I had just gone, if I had, well, it isn't what not to do. I don't mean to make it sound that way. But where I came from is a better way to say it. If I hadn't come from that place of irritation, of impatience, then it would be very unlikely that it would provoke what it provoked in that person. And so the response was a, um, a gift, in a sense, to show, me, to show me what that my actions provoke in whatever realm is going to provoke something. Uh, it could be kindness, it could be irritation, it could be, you know, but that where I come from is so important. Every action is important. So that it just kept bringing me back to the importance of that pause uh, for as far as impatience goes, just that pause um, to really see, to be noticing at that point and to be making uh, that choice point, I guess, is one way to put it. Mm-hmm. Sounds like there was a lot to notice, right? So you noticed that you came from a place of irritation and that your sense was then that that provoked a reaction. And so you got to notice all of that and got to a place of where you come from really matters. And so it brings you to a place of resolve to pause and keep on noticing, yeah, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That it's, it's great to hear it reflected because it sounds so obvious. <laughs> it, and that's, that's what's so great about practice. Yes, when we hear it, when we see it, when we finally see it, it seems so obvious. But it's pointing, to, for me, it's pointing to those grooves that are still so deep or so those habitual uh, a, a, attitude of mind, uh, <laughs> how deep, um, how ingrued, how um how habituated they are, I guess. And, uh, but there's that willingness. There's that willingness to keep looking. And because I don't want to provoke what came out in that situation or in any other. Um, and I don't want to be coming from that place for this life to be in that place. Uh, so the pausing, the noticing, the looking. Um, anyway, just at this point, feeling very grateful that we're being asked to look as deeply as possible at patients and all else we've been pointed to. Yeah, grateful that we're being asked to look as deeply as possible at patients and everywhere else we're asked to look. That you, you know, have this sense of working out your own salvation diligently, a clarity about where it is that you want to be coming from and all that you get to notice around that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. This is Jen. Jen. Um, I've been looking at so much. Um, one of the things um, that I've been looking at is sort of that the truth, you know, sort of capital T truth is always hidden in plain sight in the karmic lie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of that, I think last year's year long, the assignment of, I forget how it was phrased, but basically that, that the, you know, what the karma is saying is actually true. It's just turned 180 degrees. 
Um, and the place I've been looking at it is in seeing how ego's insistence on control, the illusion of control, obscures how um, profoundly okay everything is, how unconditionally okay everything is. So using that tool of the the truth is always hidden in the karmic lie. So whatever the karma is saying, you know, we can turn it 180 degrees and get a sense of what's so. And so looking at ego's need for control, ego, the ego control process, as obscuring how profoundly and unconditionally okay everything is. Mm-hmm. I was looking at it um, in particular in a example around something that I'm not even consciously aware going around that this is, quote, a big deal. It's something that I want to communicate about. But what I notice is I'll I'll watch how the attention just gets pulled there. Like, well, let's see. I mean, is it this? I mean, would I say it this way? Or would I, like, you know, sort of one of those, wow, someone's got a lot going about this. (laughs) It doesn't feel like me, that kind of thing. Because, again, I'm not aware of this being a huge deal, but many times, in the last, I don't know, a number of days, I've noticed, wow, the attention's on that again. And as I looked at that, I was looking, I sort of, you know, began recording about it and, and asking questions, you know, what, what, kind of that what, come on, place. And what I saw was all this stuff around, well, but, I mean, I really, you know, essentially, I want this to go a certain way. And then, and then there was a, okay, all right, so want it to go a certain way. And so what if it doesn't? And the assumption there is twofold. So if I communicate and it doesn't go the way, quote, I want it to go, then I saw there's two assumptions there. One, that's the end of the story. If, fine, I just have to, quote, live with it, <laughs> you know, deal with it. But the other assumption is that that will be bad and that I won't be okay. Sounds like a lot of practicing awareness, huh? So first of all, it comes into conscious awareness that attention keeps going to this one particular subject. And it seems that somebody's got a lot going on about this. You are not conscious of it being a big deal, but there's a sense of a big deal process going on, right? So you stop, you get out the recorder and sounds like kind of have an interview right to really Mm -hmm. uh, look at all the layers here all the beliefs and assumptions that there is something that you want to communicate about and a belief that if it goes a certain way then that you want it to go a certain way and then if it doesn't then that means this and just exploring all of it yeah bringing it into context awareness Mm -hmm. and really seeing that the I think the the conversation being introduced over and over and over again is that illusion of control. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure. You know, the pronouns get so tricky there, right? But, I mean, this is how it's meant to be presented in the head. I'm gonna figure this out and be able to communicate this in a certain way that will give me the result that I want, and therefore I'll be able to feel how I want. But all of that first part is a complete setup and scam. No, 
I, A, no, I'm not going to figure it out. There's no such thing. And if that's what I'm doing, I'm going to figure it out, then it's definitely not going to be coming from where I want it to be coming from. And there were like three more things about that. <laughs> just lost. But essentially, all of the attention then, oh, I just saw it again. All of the attention is on that, okay, let me just, let me just get this all lined up. Let me just get this all lined up so that I'll be okay. And obscures, it's profoundly okay. Because my experience over and over and over again is that the ability through practice to be with what is, you know, like be locked down in a pandemic for two years, <laughs> that one can be profoundly okay with that. Not only that, but receive endless numbers of gifts from that when we're with it. My experience over and over and over again is that. And so it's just such a, a great illustration of um, not believing all that stuff, you know, it's cutting out the middle person. You know, i got to be in control in order to feel how I want to feel. And the control, of course, is the suffering, and it's, it's absolutely the opposite process of feeling how I want to feel. What makes me so happy with a capital H is when I realize things like this and realize, I mean, yes, great, go for it. Like, communicate about this, but it becomes this playground of a, of just exploring because however it goes is completely all right. And and I get to feel okay from the very start, not from the end of it when I get the result that I want. Sounds like a big exploration of what you practice is what you have, right? What am I practicing, right? So when attention's identifying with that conversation of I'm figuring this out and if I can figure this out and communicate it in a certain way, then I will get the result that I want and I will be okay, right? And that becomes mm-hmm. the clue that well, I'm, I'm practicing that illusion of control. I'm practicing something that's not true because my experience is that no matter what the circumstances are, I can be profoundly okay in anything with anything. And so it's like a kind of big redirection of attention to that process, to practicing what you know to be true, that unconditional well-being. Yeah, yeah, and you know, as you were reflecting that, the other piece that I saw is that there's a, um, that, so, again, that one of those two original assumptions that I was talking about, and the first one being, if I communicate, and it, quote, doesn't go the way, quote, I want it to go, that that's the end of the story. But what I saw is, no, that's, that's just that that's the next piece and then I get to sit with that and look at that and then and I get to do that I get to look at that I get to be with that I get to see and if I see something else about it then I can continue the communication that's often something that I get controlled by no you can't you either you know take the shot and make it in the way ego says it needs to be made and phew thank god right and then we get to relax until the next like set up or if you don't make the shot that's it that's the end of it but what I saw was no it could totally be a workshop in impressing in pushing those boundaries of control that ego puts on us essentially yeah it can be a workshop in pushing those boundaries of control that ego puts on us it sounds like 
breaking that circuit in a big way of the of the conditional yeah. of the contest of performance yeah. right that you get one shot yeah. you've got to make that shot if you make that shot according to that the standards of that same system then you get to relax until the next survival performance contest right <laughs> and okay. instead to interrupt all of that and realize whatever the responses to the communication that I put out, I can sit with that. I can explore that. I can continue the conversation and not be shut down in that controlled way. Yeah, yeah. And the last piece that I saw there was, and to realize that breaking the circuit is the entire point, period, end of story. In other words, ego would want to make it about the content. Like, okay, yeah, you know, that's great. I get to work with it. But really, the content, the content, the content. But to realize, again, it, it always gets playful. It's always the word that comes up for me when I experience that level of freedom. To realize, no, it isn't about the content. It's also not not about the content in the sense that, well, i got to play with something. You know, there's something that's going to come up to push those boundaries. And it's got to be the thing that's real to me. Because if it's no big deal to me, then it isn't going to push against those boundaries. So, so it, it is the thing. It's the specifics that we work with. But to realize the actual point of all of it is simply that I need something to practice with to break those circuits, and this is it. Mm. Yes, that it's not about the content, and it's also not, not about the content, that this is the perfect specific thing to push these buttons and that you get to practice with as your playground right this is what you get to be playful with this is what you get to explore and that breaking the circuit is the only point period yeah yep very grateful thanks anna thank you this is ashwini ashwini so uh i was looking again at patience and uh that whole process about that we've been looking at over the week about how um, how the the patience to have something grow uh, in in you, right? That something that was unacceptable becomes acceptable. Some things you to uh, to cultivate the patience to let the revelation happen. Mm-hmm. And um, so it happens that it, it arrived. Ashwini, I've, you're breaking yep. up. Ashwini, you're breaking up for me. Sorry. There's a word missing. Um, Sorry, <laughs> uh, I like, don't know how much of that. You go can. ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, just if you could reflect, that would be great. I'll reflect so far. Yeah. So the patience to let something grow, the patience to let the process of revelation happen so it might be that something that was unacceptable becomes unacceptable to you exactly becomes acceptable to you Mm -hmm. yeah so it arrives in the form of uh, uh, this beautiful little brown and white bird flying into the window and the thud right that place of oh oh my god uh, this bird is has just died on my open window. And watching that bird uh, just crumple and fall on the ground, it's, you know, in a hideous position, 
and watch its heart beat and realize it was still alive. And from the moment of impact to the, to the time the bird actually got up and flew away, it was six hours. Mm. And it was one of those profound places of, can I, of, um, there was no question that I would sit with that bird. And I, real, I realized how the, the teaching that had come to me through the guy doing the same thing, what, 10 years ago in, in the cold snow where, where she would just sit with the bird, whether the bird was dying or was eventually, there was a lesson in being able to be with something with a level of, um, I project love or concern or uh, no difference between sitting with someone you love and a bird that just flew into your window. And I could watch that, that how much the, the, the orientation has changed for me in practice over the years that it would never occur to me to leave the bird there and not sit with it. Whereas 10 years ago when I first saw that, it was like, it's cold outside. Don't go out. What, what would be the point of sitting with the bird, right? And so to, to just recognize how the ability to put ourselves in this process changes our orientation profoundly, changes our relating to life, to, uh, to life, also changes profoundly if we're willing for that to happen and in ways that we could never perceive that it happened. So if we're willing to put ourselves in this process where our orientation to life, our relating to life is profoundly transformed in ways that we could never have perceived. So the transformation that you are aware of from it's cold outside, what's the point? Why would you go and sit outside with the bird to there's nothing else that you would be doing other than sitting with the bird? Mm -hmm. And then watching impatience in that place of, well, how long is this going to take? Am I going to have to sit here forever? It's already been three and a half hours. Is this bird ever going to get up? <laughs> you know, and then coming back to this profound wonder and delight that life, that little bird knew precisely when to fly away. So it was flat on its back for 30 minutes, and then it righted itself, and it sat absolutely absolutely still and unmoving for the next four and a half hours until the life force within it allowed it to fly away. Yes. And that extraordinary yes. ability just to wait and wait and wait till the guidance was, okay, now you can go. And if you paid a lot of attention, you could see the trajectory of it just sitting there heart beating, eyes closed, then the eyes flicker open, and then the head tilts, and then the life force is becoming more and more available. And, and you know, just that, that quality of patience, that life, that is life, that it's not, in, it, it wasn't dead, and therefore it allowed, it allowed for a rejuvenation before it took flight. Mm. Mm. What I'm hearing is the opportunity to go to that experience of projecting life without the illusion of separation, that 
mm. patience that doesn't have an impatience because there's nothing to create that, right? So you were aware of voices of, you know, how long is this going to take? Is this bird ever going to get up? And what you were witnessing in that was, first of all, aware of those thoughts and aware of what they were and also aware of this patience of life force returning that the bird knew exactly when to get up and fly away and went through all of these stages of rejuvenation perfectly mm-hmm. well and it's very much the the time it's a very very sashin experience that the longer you sit the stiller you the stiller that that you get the closer you get to that sense of what is living and alive uh and can take flight within you, which is, which is sort of what the teaching of the bird was, that profound stillness till, the, till it came to life, uh, and the gift of being able to sit with it, you know? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just struggling to say the word sashi. <laughs> the sashin experience of just sitting and getting more still and more quiet till whatever it is that's taking flight in you takes flight and getting to be with that being, the being of the bird and being with it. Yes. Yes. And the most extraordinary miracle of the entire experience was I was with that bird for six hours. And, and then in about Three minutes when I turned my attention to something else, I turned back and the bird was gone. It had taken flight. Mm. I didn't get to see that, see it do that. And somehow or the other, it was the perfect ending to the workshop. It was the perfect ending to the workshop that you didn't get to see the bird take flight. You turned your attention away and the bird had taken flight. You didn't see that moment. It was not and and for for me that was just it's just that that it is the movement of attention on the mind versus attention on awareness it's all the content of life that suddenly disintegrates into a recognition of of the nature of existence which you cannot see but you absolutely feel and for me it was just a such a, a paroxysm of tears because it, it was a moment of the recognition of why we do what we do in this practice. What is the, the reason for patience? The ability to sort of cloister ourselves so that we can arrive at that moment of light and it's nothing like we experience it to be. Like, nothing like we can imagine it to be. No, we cloister ourselves to get quiet enough so there's that moment of flight and it's nothing like we could imagine it to be because imagining it would be outside of that experience of being that as you said there's the the difference between the attention on the mind and attention on awareness that you can't see you can only experience Mm. well the deep gratitude to birds as Bodhi said yes deep gratitude to birds Phil, this is Rebecca. Phil, Phil, and then Rebecca. Yeah, that that was amazing. <laughs> it it, uh, it it really was. That was beautiful. I 
because I was having the whole experience while, um, you know, it was being said. And um, just want to express gratitude for that. And um, yes, yes. And it's interesting because this morning something dropped in about patience uh, for me too. And it was, the first thing that dropped in was um, out of out of the blue, for some reason, um, was um, the was Corinthians thirteen, where in the scripture it says, um, "Love is patience, love is kind, love is you know this and that," and it, it just struck me that, huh, the first one is love is patience, and um, and of course if love is patience. Patience is love. And and that's what seemed to be expressed in all, you know, what we were just listening to. Mm. Mm. So being taken to all of those experiences and what you just listened to, and also being reminded of something you saw in Corinthians, that love is patience, and realizing, well, also then patience is love, and how that resonated with you. Yes, and of course we all know it's all the same, and then we all know it's all love. But um, I, it just struck me that that was the first, you know, the first um, thing, first li- of, of the list of things in that particular passage. And um, and it's that's been my experience as um, as I've watched over the past week, and and even before, because impatience has been something that uh, ego seems to aspire to and um, and so I've, I've been watching that for quite some time and I could see that as um, the patience grows the you know as being being patient grows um, that the love has grown as well in the sense, and my experience of that was um, was something that was going on at work because um, our staff had something, some kind of information came to them and they were all up in a, you know, a, this confused and all this and, you know, work staff will get. And then um, the... And there was a time before where they were kind of up in this and that. And I, 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 the first time I was feeling impatient, ego's impatience, because they were, and this was a while back, they were, um, you know, how come they can't just <laughs> either do it right, you know, this, whatever it is. And this time it was like, I just felt so much love for them for, and, um, you know, had the the patience to just sit with that for a while and then actually let fall in what it is there was something I could actually how I could assist in this and I was able to do that in a very calm quiet manner coming from a whole different place than than I I would have or you know I knew I would have if I had been conditioned or uh, how it was earlier on and um, and I just saw the, I'm just being able to see the love in the patience 
and the patients in the love. The love and the patients, the patient and patients in the love actually realized in this really concrete workshop where at work, you know, staff got some information and kind of went into a oh, what do we do confusion place and you're aware that you know before that's triggered a an impatient response an impatient reaction from you and this time what you saw was well something else is possible here and you were just practicing the love and the patience and in that in that presence what was available was oh there's actually a way to assist here Yes, and it it was it just shows me that the whole whole thing, you know, is that we really do need to keep showing up, you know, and um, just do the 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 practice, just just be with it, and you know, as these uh, all this the the all our um, retreats, you know, these workshops and and the year long and everything. That it's it's just um, a way to keep this this going. You know, there's no hurry. Uh, like the thing, like Pooh said, well, I'll get there someday. And um, um, you know, it just feels like uh, we're all as a sangha. You know, we're just all traveling down that that river and uh, floating down that river. And if people get stuck on the sides, we get stuck here. We get you know, stuck there or whatever, then we just, you know, all kind of just hold hands and and we'll all get there someday together. And it just seems seems so wonderful. So wonderful that there's no hurry when those words of who will all get there someday. And that sense of doing it together as Sangha, not being alone. Exactly. And it's like... Um, Restraint and religious observances. I, that's how the other feeling I always get with pa- patients. It's so easy in some ways to feel when it comes up. And yet, after this week, you know, I've been seeing how broad it is. You know, how it's it's everything in, in that sense of that, um, that love. Sam Jackie feels is sort of seeing how the process of patience is so broad um, when we experience it as that process of love. There's so much um, that comes into that process. Yeah, like the how long does it take the trees to grow and get their leaves, and you know all those things. Life is just is just uh, very very patient, and uh, because it's all love. But anyhow, uh, I'm just so grateful. So, you know, more than I can say <laughs> about everything. It's, it's amazing. Our practice is amazing. So, anyhow, yeah. thank you. Thank you, Phil. Rebecca. Yeah, I want to ditto that gratitude, boy. It's just as a grateful, grateful time. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And what I'm what I'm looking at is. Um, a process of of recognizing, well, a y- years ago, Sherry said on a retreat, never let something go on in your mind that you're not aware of. And I would, I, that sort of encapsulates the practice that, that I've been doing. So I, I will, I'll be watching, you know, just noticing a thought arise. 
and then dropping it, and then uh, noticing it arise, and then dropping it. And, and what I'm seeing around that, that very practice is that there is a way in which that, the, the thinking will be building energy, and then before you know it, before I know it, sooner or later, there will be an action directly related to that thought. Mm-hmm. Let me see if I'm following. So you are taking inspiration from something you heard Sherry say, don't let anything go on in your mind that you're not aware of. And so you've been practicing seeing the thought arise and dropping it, seeing the thought arise and then dropping it. And then it sounds like that, that the thought can build energy and without you being aware of it, you, well, sounds like you are aware of it because you're describing this process, but there's that, that kind of coming to and seeing that that thought has led to an action. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll give you an example. So um, recently, you know, I was just on a family visit. Anyway, I, I was recently introduced to a television show called Ted Lasso and um, loved it, just loved it. It was so funny, so kind, so I just loved it. And I've noticed that now here I am back at the monastery and those and scenes from that show will come up, will come up, I'll see it. They'll come up, they'll come up, I'll see it. And I can feel the I can feel the karma pushing me to, you know, if I weren't aware of this, I know I if I weren't watching it, I know very much that sooner or later I'd be getting on my computer, I'd be looking for how do I get that show? I'd be wanting to watch it. And that's how, and then I would be feeling guilty because that's not what we do as monks. And then I would be feeling, they'd be stuck in this duality and blah, blah, blah. blah. And then we're off to the karmic races, right? But, in, but instead, I'm seeing how the thought itself is the karma that then leads to the action karma, which is the karma, and it's all karma, right? And so I've been, I've been practicing with just, um, there's a way that I can say, I can, I can realize it in my mind and, and just drop the thought and then move the thought to awareness. But I got some encouragement and I've been playing with the practice of just calling it out on the recorder. And when, I, when my hands are busy, I'll just call it out with my voice. I'll just say thought or uh, there it is or Ted Lasso, or whatever the, the name of the thought, you know, kind of just a, a shorthand of the thought. And that in itself, in a way that isn't, doesn't happen when I just do it in my mind, when I actually engage my voice or in uh, the recorder, it actually, I can feel in my body the difference between of the energy just coming back to the moment, to the body. Mm. Mm. Sounds like you've got your karma nippers out and are really experiencing yeah. <laughs> what sharpens them, right? What keeps them sharp, which is to call it out, to not just do it in the mind, but to call out with your voice on the recorder if you have it to hand if, or you know, not, just but to get it out, to call it out. So whenever you see something arise, to call it, and in that practice in that process realizing that it's not just the watching something watching the television show that's the karma it's the thought that's the karma it's all the karma pushing for that that action 
Exactly, because you know what? It doesn't even have to be tied to a content. It's a, it can be a rotating content. Like I've noticed the planning karma. So I'll be sitting in meditation and I'll be thinking about what I'm going to fix for the my next meal. And it's like, oh, planning karma. You know, that, you know it, it's like it, it's not even the content. It's the whole mm-hmm. process. But, but here's here's one thing I want to, I just, because the story of the bird flying away and missing it, it, it triggered something else. It, it crystallized something else that I'd seen. That I, um, and that is that, okay, so got the karma nippers out, backing it up, backing it up. Okay, there's the action. Okay, there's the thought. There's the, and if we back it, as I continue to back it up more and more and more, so far, the place that I've, I get to when I back it up far enough is it always starts with awareness. And I, the place I get to as I back it up is awareness on awareness. But there's this sort of quantum leap that, has, that happens that I project onto that experience of your being with the bird and then you look away for just a moment and then you're in this other experience of the bird's freedom, you know, the bird's rejuvenation. And it is just this not at all what you would expect. You can't make it happen, but it's just there. And and I guess the best way I'm just trying to describe it at this moment is it's awareness on awareness. Hmm. Let me see if I'm with you so as you back it up back it up back it up this ex- this experience of a quantum leap into a place of awareness on awareness and it's not something that you can make happen it's not something that you can do it's not something that you can um, predict or know what it's going to be like but there's that that leap that shift mm-hmm. and awareness mm-hmm. on awareness is the experience Mm-hmm. And you know where it's just a real. I'm realizing now where else we saw it this week was in a call on the morning show, when a caller was describing sorting apples, and realizing that she was in her head, and then the attention went outside of herself. You know, outside. It's sort of what Marion Milner. I, I I point to this all the time, and I don't know if anybody ever can relate to this image, but me of. It's a movement that it's trying to describe it as like telling someone how to wiggle their own ears. You know, it's like you can't really describe how to do it, but you just recognize the movement when it happens. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. And it, it just seems to, and I, I project that's what the caller was talking about. It's such a powerful movement. And, um, and, it, and it feels like that's, that's that movement to, from the dropping the thought and then returning to just awareness on awareness that, that precedes everything, precedes the thoughts, precedes all karma. It's kind of, yeah, that. So dropping the thought and moving to awareness on awareness, the place that precedes all thought, precedes all karma. And it's like a kind of trying to teach somebody how to wiggle their ears or tell them how to do it. You can't describe how to do it but you know it when it happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, just so delightful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so fun to get on, be on a call like this where there's all these mirrors to it, you know, mirrors, everyone, you know, like we talked about last week, bringing their jewel, you know, uh, talking yeah. from their, uh, their jewel and, and 
seeing it in all these different facets. So, yeah, just once again echoing that deep gratitude. Mm. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) Thank you, Anna. Thanks, Rebecca. Margaret? Margaret. Hi, Anna. Um, Well, gosh, I'm so grateful for this call. This has been um, what everybody shared about their process has been so helpful um, in looking at what we've been practicing with. And um, I've just been noticing how many places um, in my life are many, many situations with other people and doctors and family and um, life, um, just other beings. Um, is just so um, enhanced by the added presence of being, being available, being totally with the experience I'm in with them. So all your experiences of going around and interacting with other people is, uh, are enhanced by being available, by being present and with all of the experiences that you're having. Yes, and it feels like um, what... What the, what the process is that's allowing that is, is going to a deeper level of patience. And that's what, that's what um, really enables the, the availability. That's sort of like when I'm patient and I, I'm not thinking about what I'm going to say or do or want, and I'm just totally listening to that other being, um, it's so much a deeper connection with them and what I see that they want for me. I'm projecting it, of course, but it feels like I really understand better um, that they're doing that too to the best of their ability, that they want the best for me often. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm tracking, Margaret. Sounds like, so when you're interacting with another person, there's that practice, that experience of getting out of the way. So setting aside, you know, what I want or what I'm going to say and instead being here and available. And in that, your experience is, sounds like goodness. Yes, aware of goodness, goodness. And, and love, um, mm. I think, is there too. That um, it's just, it's just, um, it feels like it's that deepening of practice, of patience, and love that um, allows me to be there, and that's mirrored by the other person 
or they see that, that that's what's available from me. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm following, it sounds like the whole thing kind of building on itself, right? So as you choose to be here and available, your sense is that the person you're interacting with senses that and, um, and responds from that place, that everybody's more available. Yeah. That's what you're choosing. Mm-hmm. And I've had this recent... Um, experience of pain um, that in terms of content, a little content that um, I've had I've had this pain for a long time and recently felt that it was that there is something a part of my arm that's actually injured and hasn't been perhaps hasn't healed in the time, you know, almost two years. Um, and <laughs> I, I've just really gotten it that when I, when I visit my Western doctors about this, um, if I smile, if I'm turning my direction away from the pain to, to be with them or to, you know, that it's, even though they call it chronic pain, which means it's always there, I have so many ways that I can be with the pain where I, I'm not in pain um, just through this practice. And when I, however, when I, <laughs> when I am, it's like when I am showing them that, they're not willing to, or they don't see that anything is needed from them. Um, other than when I when I express the pain, I have to talk specifically about the pain. And I was getting coaching from this by um, an Eastern uh, medical doctor, Oriental medical doctor, um, explaining to me this from her experience with her mother dealing with the same Western doctors, and and I realized the consequences of that are were totally surprising to me which when i when i um focused on that in my recent meetings with two of those doctors and i realized that what what this process is going towards is something that i'm not sure i'm willing for which is surgery <laughs> and and i it just was a real it was just really interesting to be present to that and see how um, they were offering me the best that they had, that they could offer. And and now there's further steps to go into. Um, but I just am so grateful for practicing the patience to be willing to see that that's just what it is. Um, what they're offering me is is what's available in in their view, and um, I guess I'm, I get a little stuck with this somewhat. But I feel like the more I practice with patience and with 
being available. I just see um, I just see how much that's growing through this practice and and through what we're I'm just really looking forward to this next week about the warrior energy and directing attention to awareness to that awareness and just loving practice um, mm-hmm. and all that's brought to my existence mm-hmm. and to yeah. others, I hope, yeah. <laughs> around me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes, it sounds like a lot to explore, right? A lot to... Um a lot to explore in the workshop around your arm and the pain and a lot of uh, getting to practice how you are with it and how you choose to be with it, right? And yes. sounds like awareness of the different experiences of the pain as you um, move attention to awareness and a recognition in, in that all of, the, all of the people that you're act, interacting with sounds like a realization of you know we're we're all always doing the best that we can oh yes thank you for that that is that's really the yeah the take-home lesson (laughs) and I I really appreciate um, you reflecting that so thank you Um, just grateful for practice yeah yes Grateful for practice. Thank you, Anna. Gusho. Thank you. Anyone else? All right, thank you all.